Okay. What do I owe you? Never heard of no one so shit all stupid as you driving off that road. You must have got manure for your brains. Yeah. Well, I'm from out of town. So, what's the bill? <laughs> what's the bill? Come on, come on, come on. How much? How much you got? No, no, I'm asking how much the repairs are. I'm asking you how much you got. You're out of your mind. Look, I don't have time to play around, okay? So how much is it? All of it, boy. What's your sheriff think of your business practices? <laughs> <laughs> was the same day in another time I felt your pain and you felt mine and all that we tried and all of our tricks still couldn't help what couldn't be And welcome to the main event. Open up with that scene from the movie Vacation, the original Vacation. You know what? Hey, uh, how much is the bill? Uh, how much do you got? You know what? Uh, give us all of it. Give us all of it. You know, that's kind of the, the new word for the Democrats is is price gouging this this week. And of course, Biden made his uh, his big speech on inflation, which was a bunch of uh, of. Uh, of nonsense dribble that he didn't understand and didn't make any sense if you know anything about how the economy works. And uh, we'll talk about that in detail, but it seems like from Nancy Pelosi to uh, to Joe Biden to just about everybody, it's all about price gouging. All the, the, all the, all the uh, costs of everything going up is all because, you know, the guys at the gas station just want to make extra money. And the guys at the grocery store, they're trying to make extra money. And I can tell you, that's just BS. That's just BS. That song was uh, Save Us From Ourselves. Uh, Styx's new album that came out last year, the cra- from the album called Crash of the Crown. Uh, you know what? It's, uh, it appears that our friends, uh, our friend Tommy Shaw and Styx, uh, I'm not sure if he's a Democrat or Republican, but he sure, uh, he sure is obviously a, a well aware person. He's watching what's happening. Kind of like we see Bill Maher, Bill Maher, the, uh, the atheist, liberal pot smoking, uh, whatever else he, whatever else he does. That's, uh, you know, I think he's funny. I think he's funny, but most of everything he says, I don't agree with. Uh, until now he's coming out of the ether as well. So even the Democrats are going, Oh my God, do what do we see? And I don't know if Tommy Shaw is uh, is Democrat or Republican. I uh, just uh, assume because he's part of the entertainment industry that uh, most of that industry leans to the left. So anyway, I'm going to talk about all this stuff and everything that's going on, and I got a lot to say in a short time to say it. 
So uh, before I do, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, branch manager, Planet Home Lending. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, toll free, day or night, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone just yet because it's so personal, or maybe because you don't want your uh, neighbors at work to hear, uh, you know, if you if you go into work at all, um, call me. You go to edhoffman.net, click on the Planet Home Lending logo. That'll take you to my lending page. You can put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates. We'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. If there's any part of the show you want repeated or you want or you missed part of it or you want to share it with somebody, stay on edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page. You'll have uh, this show as well as several past shows that you can uh, you can listen to on demand and download them. You can also get the uh, podcast on uh, SoundCloud or iTunes slash Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe for free and it'll automatically uh, download to your uh, your phone or your computer, whatever device that you use, your uh, your uh, your your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod, your mini pad, your maxi pad, anything else you can uh, uh, have it on and uh, listen to it whenever it's convenient for you if the radio times don't fit your schedule. Uh, if you want to comment on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. And uh, I hear I read them all, and I uh, will comment on sometimes, or I'll uh, or I'll answer on them. But believe me, I, I read them all. So uh, let's talk about. Oh, you know, and if you saw, if you follow me on Facebook, uh, you may have seen that uh, I sold my big building on the 60 freeway. Uh, the building I built in 2003, or I started it in 2003, finished it in 2006. Um, as the and I'll talk about how how this evolved as we talk about the economy. But uh, just so you know, uh, I sold my building. We're still in the building, and uh, we will still be. That doesn't mean I'm I'm retiring. It means we're uh, we're we're uh, don't need fourteen thousand square feet anymore. And I read my book. I learned about the uh, market cycle, and I said, hey, based on what I see happening in the economy, based on what I see happening in the real estate market, um, I have fourteen thousand square feet. I only use about three thousand of it. Uh, for the last few years, um, it's time to sell and cash out, which I did. And uh, we'll be moving to a, a smaller office in Riverside. And uh, but we're still here. Everybody's still going. Same team, same everything. Just uh, won't be in that beautiful building that I built on the uh, on the 60 freeway. But don't worry, Ed's still here. If you need loans, call me eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. So let's talk about. Tuesday. On Tuesday, the White House staffers put some words on about inflation on a teleprompter and told Joe Biden to read them to America, which is essentially all that you ever hear Joe Biden say, whatever somebody puts words on a teleprompter. An easy enough assignment, but if anyone can bumble it, this president can. It started, it started out with him explaining the two causes of our present inflation, neither of which are him, of course. The first one... There are two leading causes of inflation we're seeing today. The first cause of inflation is a once in a century pandemic. Not only did it shut down our global economy, it threw the supply chains and demand completely out of whack, especially in countries where more effective recovery responses uh, uh, weren't available. 
These supply challenges have been further uh, hampered uh, by uh, the onset of Delta and Omicron viruses. And you've all seen it. You've all felt it. Yeah, the Delta. Was Delta like a year and a half ago? And uh, wasn't Omicron uh, like four or five months ago? And it's not really that that deadly. And it's uh, you only have to uh, uh, quarantine for five days now if you're exposed to it. And uh, I know this is this is just him talking out his butt because his mouth knows better. The second cause should come as no surprise. And this year we have a second cause, a second cause, Mr. Putin's war in Ukraine. You saw we saw in March that 60 percent of inflation that month was due to price increases at the pump for gasoline. Putin's war has raised food prices as well. Because Ukraine and Russia, two of the world's major breadbaskets for wheat and corn, are essentially completely stalled. Ukraine has 20, 20 million tons of grain in storage in silos right now. They're trying to figure out how to get out of the country into market, which would reduce prices around the world. Normally, normally we'd have already begun to export them into the market. But, it's, uh, but it hasn't because of Putin's invasion. So we're working with our European partners to get this food out into the world so they could help bring down prices. But it's difficult because, again, of Putin and the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Okay, so let me sort through the BS on this one. So just so you know, so you know these little facts. So because I say, hey, 20 million tons of grain, is that wheat? Is that rice? Is that corn? Uh, I guess I'm assuming it's grain. I assume it's wheat. And I said to myself, does, does, uh, does grain spoil, you know, it's a, you know, how long can they hold it while this war goes on and then still export it? And did he say, normally we export it? Are you part of Ukraine now? Uh, likely because he put all that money over there and, uh, and made sure it funneled back to him through, uh, through, uh, Burisma Holdings, uh, and to, uh, Hunter Biden. And then it, he got, he got his share he got his share. Pop had to take half his paycheck, Hunter Biden's paycheck. So, um, so apparently, apparently, Ukraine is we now. Um, but you know, 20 million, 20 million tons of grain. I guess it does spoil at some point because then it turns into vodka or uh, or uh, whiskey, and uh, which is a good. Then you just export it like that. But the um, but apparently, it can hold up to a year. And here's the question I had is. Do we need? I mean, twenty million tons of grain. Uh, that's that has to that if that has to feed the world, don't we? Don't we grow wheat and rice and all that stuff here? And uh, so I googled it, and apparently we export one hundred and four million tons of grain per year. So why don't we just stop exporting it and make sure that we have enough here, and not worry about Ukraine? Now why don't we do something called America First? We also export 69.8 million tons, metric tons of corn as well. So, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is, and you say, you know what, hey, the prices are going up. And he says 60% of the inflation is due to the gas prices. And the gas prices are, why don't we just keep drilling? Don't we, uh, don't we have the ability to produce the gas ourselves instead of buying it from Russia? I don't know. And, you know, here's the other thing is, you know, if the price of peas goes up, I don't eat peas. 
and uh, and you know, there's a whole bunch of whole bunch of stuff at the grocery store. If the price of that goes up, it doesn't affect me, and maybe it doesn't affect you. But you know, the price of gas affects everybody, unless of course you uh, unless of course you have a uh, uh, electric car. And of course, I saw a uh, post on on social media where uh, some guy in a Tesla uh, his batteries went dead, and they had to use a gas powered Honda Honda generator to uh to charge it up so he could get to a charging station. So, you know what? Uh what are we going to do without fossil fuels? I don't know, but I just don't think anyone's thought this through. Then suddenly Biden revealed that inflation is a good thing. It's actually a strength. I believe that inflation is our top economic challenge right now, and I think they do too. I built a strong we built a strong economy with a strong job market. And I agree with what Chairman Powell said last week, that the number one threat is the strength, and that strength that we built is inflation. So the Fed should do its job, and it will do its job, I'm convinced, with that in mind. What? Did he just say inflation is our number one economic challenge, and that our strength is the inflation? Hmm. Does anybody remember about uh, in January when Peter Ducey asked uh, asked uh, Biden if the uh, if the inflation was going to be a liability in the in the midterms? And remember what uh, remember what Biden said. That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a. Yeah. So apparently Peter Ducey was a. Stupid son of a bee for uh, for asking that question, but then Biden just said it's or one of our strengths is the inflation. What an idiot! What an idiot! You know, and and I you know the whoever put the, the words on the teleprompter going, don't go off teleprompter, don't go off teleprompter. That's when you that's when you say stupid crap. Indeed, indeed. So uh, so then last week, Biden presented his plan. Not a new plan, just the Build Back Better plan being rebranded as inflation relief. My plan is to lower employer, lower everyday costs for everyday costs for hardworking Americans, and lower the deficit by asking large corporations and the wealthiest Americans to not engage in price gouging and to pay their fair share in taxes. My plan is already in motion. I led the world and other countries to join with us to coordinate the largest release of oil from our stockpiles of all the countries in history, 240 million barrels, and to reduce our dependence on foreign oil and reckless autocrats like Putin, I'm working with Congress to pass landmark investments to help build a clean energy future as well. From tax credits for businesses to produce renewable energy, to tax credits for families to make their homes more energy efficient, I met with nearly a dozen CEOs of America's largest utility companies. They confirmed that if we pass the investments I'm talking about, we'll immediately lower families' utility bills by as much as $500 a year, according to their one estimate. Well, there's a lot to unpack here in this little, uh, this little clip of nonsense. But, you know, how do we lower the cost for families if we keep increasing the cost for everything else. Well, we're going to tell everybody that uh, has somebody work in the cash register at AMP and Mini Market, they got to pay them 15 bucks an hour. And the people that are uh, that are uh, flipping burgers at McDonald's got to pay them 15 bucks an hour. 
and you know uh, we're gonna cut off our energy our energy uh, production so the cost of gas goes up two bucks a gallon to where people can't even get to work because they can't afford to fill their tanks and it just increases the cost to get the products there and we're gonna and oh but we're gonna we're gonna say hey this is price gouging this is price gouging all these people let me give you a little story about uh about my company wholesale capital so i was uh in business for 26 years 26 years and we had this thing called the mortgage meltdown and we survived it we survived it because we do because we do what's right and we have a ton of referral business and what happened uh the last part of the dodd frank law remember the remember if you've read my book there's a whole chapter on this that talks about how the how the mortgage meltdown really really happened and what the influences were so you got uh, barney frank and and christopher dodd that were that were instrumental in causing the the root causes of what created subprime which led to the global melt, economic meltdown and then they then they took on then they uh, tasked uh, Dodd and Frank to create the Dodd Frank law to to make sure that we never have this happen again. Well, the last part of it got was uh, was uh, enacted called TRID, the TILA RESPA Integration Disclosure Act, which took took one page good faith estimates and every other disclosure to make them three pages so they'd be more understandable, but really just confuses people. But for for me at Wholesale Capital. I had to add a million dollars worth of a million dollars a year in payroll because I had to have a separate disclosure department, had a separate uh, um, uh, compliance department, separate everything. And on top of that, in we had to uh, get rid of five different uh, process or five different software programs and replace it with one that was ten thousand dollars a month, more expensive than the uh, than the actual the other five that we got rid of just to make sure that I didn't get sued by the federal government. That lasted about three years before it, before it, you know, I got tired of working for free, paying over a hundred, a hundred employees while I worked 60 hours a week and, and, uh, produced, uh, more than, than 99% of all the other, uh, loan producers in the country and, uh, didn't get to take home a paycheck. And I know nobody felt sorry for me because I didn't need the paycheck to keep on living my lifestyle, but that shut my company down. And that's what's going on right now. We're pushing up the pushing up the cost of everything. We're pushing up the cost of of uh, of employees. And then what are we telling people? Hey, you're price gouging because you raised your price of groceries, raised your price of gas, raised your price of of just about everything. That's how cause and effects works, people. You know, it trickles up, it trickles down when things are good, and it trickles down when things are bad. So then he's talking about tax credits to make, we're going to do tax credits to make things more efficient. Like, you know, if you if you make your home more efficient, we're going to give tax credits to homeowners. Is that like solar? Is that like solar? So I put solar on my house about five or six years ago, and I did the, and I did all the, all the, uh, all the numbers to make sure this made sense. And I talked to one of my, one of my, uh, one of my loan clients uh, works for Southern California, Southern California Edison in the construction department where they're building new power plants. And I, and I asked him, I think I asked him at the United IE conference, um, in 2012, I think it was. And, and I said, Hey, isn't this gonna, 
cause Edison to lose money? He goes, oh, no, no, no. We're, they're not concerned about that. Not concerned about that because this saves the money for not having to keep building new power plants to keep up with the keep up with the demand. And then about two years later, I got my first, you know, I got my first uh, end of the year, end of the year statement and say, hey, look, I get a, do you want your refund, your refund of how much energy you sold back to Edison to go, you want a check or, or you want it to go towards your next bill? And I'm going, eh, send me a check. I want to see what it is. Big 28 bucks. So, uh, but I have no, no electric bill. And what happened after that? All of a sudden I got a, a raise that, hey, you know what? Edison's going to start charging people for the use of the grid. And it's a hundred bucks a year. It didn't didn't matter much to me, but oh wait, logic said, logic said that hey, Edison's gonna start losing money when all these people are on solar. What's that gonna do? Oh well, guess what? It's not gonna it's not gonna hurt anybody, but it sure did. And they start and all of a sudden they raise their cost. Let's raise your cost. You pay us ten bucks a month for use of the grid. I don't know. So when you hear all this BS, you need to talk some logic to your Democrat friends. Who, uh, who seem to think that uh, Biden's doing a great job. So keep that all in mind. Use your logically thinking brain, look and see what happens, and this is, this is the reality. And just like last week, Biden compared this plan with the ultra-maga plan presented by Florida Senator Rick Scott, who he now believes is from Wisconsin. The Republican plan is to increase taxes on the middle-class families, let billionaires and large companies off the hook, as they raise profits, raise prices and reap profits of record number, record amounts. And it's really that simple. Senator Rick Scott, Wisconsin, a member of the Senate Republican leadership, laid it all out. The ultra-mega plan put forward by congressional Republicans to raise taxes on working families, lower the income of American workers. I never expected the ultra MAGA Republicans who seem to control the Republican Party now to have been able to control the Republican Party. Yeah, the ultra MAGA. Okay, so here's the inconvenient truth for Biden. So far, not a single Republican has gotten on board with Rick Scott's plan, which I'll talk about in a couple of minutes that I don't understand why they haven't. But that hasn't stopped Biden from claiming that a majority of Republicans support it. I can't believe that the majority of Republicans buy on Scott's plan. The trouble is, a majority of Republicans do not. The Washington Post gave Biden's claim three Pinocchios. Quote, as far as we can tell, not a single other Republican in Congress has embraced Scott's specific tax proposal. Here's Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell in March. We will not have as part of our agenda a bill that raises taxes on half the American people. Senator Scott said this today. Clearly it's not the platform for the Republican Party. I put out my ideas. I hope everybody will give me their ideas. So why is the president saying Scott's plan is backed by a majority of Republicans? White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki explained. There isn't an alternative plan that put forward. So it's either this put together by the person who is leading the effort to win back the Senate or nothing. Yeah. So, uh, apparently that's, that's the, the whole thing is, you know what, uh, they put out a plan. It's that or nothing. Well, that's not actually true, but you know, when you read his plan, his 11 point plan, um, I wonder, I wonder what the, why the Republicans aren't backing it up. And I'll go over that. I'll go over that at the beginning of the second half. Um, so let, because I don't understand for the life of me why they don't back it up. It's it's all about America first. I read I read through it and I don't see any any issues with it at all. But let's wrap this up just for laughs. Look, 
I know you got to be frustrated. I know. I can taste it. Do you take any responsibility for the inflation in this country? Do you take any responsibility for your policies? I think our policies help, not hurt. Yeah, well, that's where uh, that's where you're wrong. You know, I know you're frustrated. I can taste it. it. Tastes like cherry vanilla ice cream. My favorite. Ah, I don't know. You know that. You know he's he's obviously off script. I can taste it. And do you think your policies have any have any uh, influence on this? Do you, you take any responsibility for? Th- no, I think our policies help. They don't hurt. You know what? That's just BS. You know what? Uh, hey, you know what? I, I'm running out of money. I'm having a problem. I have to refinance my house and pay my $90,000 worth of credit cards off. And, uh, you know, uh, but Biden said, no, I was thinking I'm going to I'm going to refinance my house, pay them off my 18 percent credit cards, pay them off it at uh, four or five percent. And I'm going to uh, lower my payments out. So, you know, I bring in this much. And it, uh, instead of uh, my payment, go, my house payment goes up 200 bucks, but my my outgo goes out 2000 bucks. So that's going to save my budget. But, you know, according to if I just follow President Biden, maybe I should just charge some more on my credit cards. Maybe that helps. I don't know. It works for the federal government. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for this half of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, sports, weather and commercials, and I'll be back with lots more. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, branch manager with Plant Home Lending. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance on the radio because if you're not in the market, uh, if you're not in the market, it might, might seem boring. But if you are in the market or if you wonder if you're in the market, if uh, you think everything's okay, but you just wonder, what about one of them reverse mortgage things? Are they really is it, are they really any good? Uh, what about uh, all this credit card debt I have? You know I have a great rate on my on my more on my $150,000 mortgage, but what about this $90,000 worth of credit card debt I have that's uh, high interest? You know, is there something that I could do to do better? And what about all those people moving out of California? Could I get one of those houses? What's my plan? Call me toll free 855-640-2020. That's 855 855- 640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net, click on the Planet Home Lending logo and uh tell me what's on your mind, how much you want to how much you want to tell me and uh tell me how much information you want back and we'll help you uh help you find your way. Help you find your way. So before the break I was talking about uh the inflation uh the inflation speech, if that's what you can call it that that uh that 45 minutes of of just nonsense that Biden uh, plucked out in and we were talking about Rick Scott's 11 point plan, his 11 point plan to uh, rescue America, which apparently the Mitch McConnell says that the Republicans aren't going to get get behind it. And so, you know, I looked it up and I wanted to see what it what it was about. And uh, let me just give you a little bit of an outline here um, of of what the what the plan is that the Republicans don't have don't have the guts to stand behind it. This is why we need to, before we vote, the primary here in California is in June, June 7th, I believe. Um, and before we vote, and especially before November, you need to find out what the, the Republicans are about because you don't want to vote in anybody with a D on their name. But, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of Republicans that say stuff and don't act stuff. But here's, here's the things that I can't believe that, that uh, the Republicans 
don't have the guts to get behind. I think that we're so afraid to offend anybody that we won't stand for anything. Our kids will will say the Pledge of Allegiance, salute the flag, learn that America is a great country, and choose a school that best, best fits them. Is anything wrong with that? I don't see it. Number two, government will never again ask American citizens to disclose their race, ethnicity, or skin color on every, any government forms. I don't see why that's an issue. Uh, three, soft on crime days of coddling criminal behavior will end. We will refund and res- we will refund and respect the police because they are not the criminals; they are the good guys. You know what? Hey, you know what? But what about this? There's always an exception to every one of these. Okay, that's three. Let's go to four. Four, we will secure our border, finish building the wall, and name it after President Donald Trump. Nothing wrong with that. I'm agree with that. Number five, we will grow... Oh, yeah, wait, but we don't want to name it after Donald Trump because he's such a divisive character. Well, you know what? Name it it whatever you want it, but it needs to be there. Number five, we will grow America's economy, starve Washington's economy, and stop socialism. That makes all the sense in the world, and we're going to talk about that in a second here. And six, we will eliminate all federal programs that can be done locally and enact term limits for federal bureaucrats. Wait, that makes good business sense. We will protect the integrity of American democracy and stop left-wing efforts to rig elections. That makes sense. Uh, eight, we'll protect and defund, uh, protect and defend the prom- and promote the American family at all costs. That makes sense. That's how our co- our country was uh, was uh, founded. Nine, men are men, women are women, and unborn babies are babies. We believe in the science. That makes sense to me. Uh, 10, Americans will be free to welcome God into all aspects of their lives. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to. It means that, hey, if they, you want to have God in your life, there's no laws that, that's against it. And 11, we are Americans, not globalists. That means America first. Now, if you hear some of these guys say that this is going to this is going to raise taxes on everybody and this is, you know what, uh, you look at number five and number six and I will say the bullet points on those. Number five is uh, America will grow the economy. Um, uh, socialism will be treated as a foreign combatant, which aims to destroy prosperity and freedom. Other than essential core functions, the government should not be doing anything that the private sector can do better and cheaper. We'll apply do-it-better test. If American businesses can serve American people better and cheaper than the government, work goes to them. No government assistance unless you're disabled or aggressively seeking work. If you can work but refuse to work, you cannot live off the hard work and sweat of your fellow Americans. If that doesn't make you stand proud, why, you know, why would any Republican not get behind this? We will require truth in governing. If the government passes a law that does not achieve what it promised, the program will be shut down. Perfect. We will balance the federal budget. It can be done. States do it all the time. And so do we have to do that in, in our households. If, a, if Congress cannot pass the budget, members of Congress do not get paid. Full stop. Wow. That should, uh, that should uh, bring, bring it home to the Congress people. Other than disaster relief, the federal government must stop spending money on non-essential state and local projects until the budget is balanced. That sounds fair. Eliminate truly non-essential government employee positions because they are non-essential. That works. Implement the line item veto. It works in the state capitals. It'll work in Washington. And expedite all federal permit applications to be granted granted or denied within 30 days. Okay, so here's the part number six that talks about where they say we're going to raise taxes. Enact term limits for Washington ruling class, 12-year limits for Congress and government bureaucrats, exceptions for national security reasons only. 
Begin paying down the debt. Debt equals politicians stealing from our future and stealing from, from us right now with inflation. That makes sense. Forbid politicians from becoming lobbyists and cashing in on their public service. That's fair. Eliminate federal programs that can be done locally. Any government function that can be handled locally should be. I agree with that. Move, move most government agencies out of Washington into the real world. That seems logical. Do it cheaper and faster and more efficient. Sell off non-essential government assets, buildings, and land to use the proceeds to pay down the national debt. Perfect. All federal legislation sunsets in five years. If a law is worth keeping, Congress can pass it again. That makes sense. All government bids and contracts should be publicly available on the Internet. Make, everybody, make everything transparent. If the government fails to comply with laws, citizens must have the right to sue to force them to comply. That seems fair. If, especially understanding that this is the government of the people, by the people, and for the people. We don't work for them. They work for us. No government employee can make more than five times the national median individual income. I don't know that that's going to change anything because national median income, well, who knows. Uh, but that seems fair. We will bar the federal government. Of course, of course, that one that one little piece there, I think the I think the president should make a million dollars because you get the best of the best that will that will run for those kind of jobs. Of course, four hundred thousand dollars a year is only the tip of the iceberg uh, for, uh, for the, the most of these positions. So we don't, we don't see, Hey, their salary is just their salary. They don't pay for anything. Uh, so I might, I might rethink that we will bar the federal government from using your tax dollars for advertising campaigns. Absolutely. Perfect. And here's the last one. We'll drastically simplify the tax code and eliminate the advantages of those who can afford tax lawyers and lobbyists. You know what? And as I say all the time, nobody pays 50% of their income and nobody pays zero. Well, that's going to raise taxes on people that don't pay anything. The people that cheat and the people that work under the table and the people that beg for money at the freeway off-ramp, they're making more money than, than most of the people out there because they don't pay taxes on it. Why aren't the Republicans getting behind this? Well, none of the Republicans have gotten behind it because it's so drastic. It's going to raise taxes on everybody. You know, we need, we need some, uh, some, some politicians that have some spines. We need some some Republicans that will stand up for what's right and not worry about their reelections. Yeah, but if we but if we raise taxes on people that are paying zero and they have to pay hundred dollars a year, imagine what we might lose some votes. So be it. You watch the people will come out to support this. So let's talk about with what I have time left. Uh, the rest of what's happened this week. Last week's leak of the Supreme Court memo on overturning Roe versus Wade has led to the predictable, orchestrated fallout the Democrats need to make gains for the midterms. The week started out with obscene demonstrations outside churches on Mother's Day in numerous cities around the country. These people are sick, sick and twisted, and I won't comment on on them until we say it, show a few little other pieces of it. Uh, these demonstrations were fully condoned on MSNBC, where all the hosts and guests fell in line, blaming not the Supreme Court, not Republicans, and not even Donald Trump for a change. Rather than beating around the bush with all that, they got straight to the point and blamed the Christian faith for this shift into the, in the Supreme Court. 
The Christian right's decades-long push to revoke abortion rights is just part of their broader agenda. Well, what else? What else do they want? This is not just about abortion. Uh, this is about a much broader Christian right worldview. It's very important for us to recognize that it is Christian extremism that allows justices like this to be uh, confirmed. Discovered that they could manufacture and then channel their moral outrage toward abortion, creating a new litmus test for conservative politicians. References to God and Christian beliefs are often invoked in these political instances, with some saying outright that they believe America is a Christian nation. Isn't it? Isn't this, wasn't America founded on Judeo-Christian uh, uh, beliefs? Wasn't, uh, you know, the, the Bible talks about what's right and what's wrong in God's eyes. And isn't that a good basis for how our country should be based? And again, I say this again, we're so worried about who we might offend that we don't stand for anything in this country anymore. Nothing. We're afraid. We're afraid to offend someone who's a Muslim. We're afraid to to uh, offend somebody. Oh wait, someone who's a who's a Hindu or a or a Buddhist. If we say that we're founded on Judeo Christian beliefs, which you know, when you look at look at all the all the all the religions, they all have some basis in that, and we're afraid to offend them. We're afraid to offend uh, someone of a different color or someone of a different. Uh, uh, sexual orientation. Oh my God. You know what? I'm a, I'm a white, I'm a white male Christian conservative. I feel like I'm being discriminated against. I think I need a civil rights attorney because I'm being discriminated and we can make this a class action. Of course, class action means I don't get any money when I win. Uh, when I win it in the Supreme Court, that I've been violated, I've been discriminated against. But you know, it's not about money. I've got plenty of money. It's a, it's about making a point and uh, driving the idea home that we're being discriminated against. If you're, if you're not black, female, uh, LGBT, you're just, you're just not acceptable anymore. You know, say, hey, married women that live with their husbands, film at eleven. That's what's going to be. After that, it was on to demonstrating the home at the homes of Supreme Court justices. There were protests outside Virginia and Maryland homes of Justice Kavanaugh, Roberts, and Alito this week. Here's one chant that was heard outside Alito's home. Yeah, abort the court. This is uh, this shows to show you the you know the level of intelligence of these of these kids you know we should uh, we should uh, round all these people up like they did on January 6 we should use the uh, the uh, the geo data take the films and find all these people and then go arrest their parents put their parents in jail for raising idiots <clears throat> isn't this illegal Yes, of course, this is illegal, but nobody cares. The federal law that makes it illegal to protest outside the homes of judges is Section 1507 of U.S. Code Title 18. It is unlawful to protest near the residence or residence occupied or used by a judge, juror, witness, or court officer with the intent of influencing the discharge of his duty. In other words, attempting to influence the way the judge is going to vote. Okay. It says violators of law could face up to a uh, could face a fine or up to one year in prison. But does the White House want this law enforced? No. Whether it's Black Lives Matter, Antifa, or the abortion group terrorists causing the pandemonium outside justices' homes, Democrats don't believe the law applies to protesters on their side. 
So Press Secretary Jen Psaki spent her last week on the job saying things like this. I know that there's an outrage right now, I guess, about uh, protests that have been peaceful to date. And we certainly continue to encourage that outside of judges' homes. And that's the president's position. So that's the president's position to encourage something that's against federal law. Really? Is that is is that really the president's position? Shouldn't somebody step in? Where's our attorney general? Uh, shouldn't he step in to? Hey, he, she, they just, his spokesman just said he encourages that. Isn't that against the law to encourage people to break the law? Well, if the president is fine with it, why shouldn't any Democrats in Congress feel differently? Here's Rashida Tlaib, Muslim. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, Pocahontas, and Elon Omar, a uh, Muslim who's here illegally because she lied about her uh, her identity to get over here and then uh, married her brother to get him in illegally. Here's their opinion on the thing. Bottom line, you don't condemn it. You think that these protesters should continue to be outside Supreme Court justices' homes and interrupt church. I get interrupted and protested all the time. I welcome it in many ways, as long as it's not, you know, uh, violent rhetoric, uh, talking about, you know, physical harm and all those kind of things. I think it's just really important to understand that that happens. Uh, we're in public service. This Supreme Court said back then protesters should be able to get right in people's faces. Now they are erecting barriers to try to keep protesters as far away from themselves as possible. I think that's fundamentally wrong. So do you think that these protesters should be prosecuted for breaking federal law? What is the federal law? I'm sorry. It's U.S. Code 1507. It prevents picketing or parading in or near a building, housing a court of the United States or in or near a building or residence occupied or used by such judge. Do you think they should be prosecuted for breaking federal law? The Supreme Court itself um, has heard this argument and they have themselves said it is protected by the First Amendment. What a bunch of idiots. Number one. Elon Omar doesn't even know what the law is. And then she says that, hey, they've protected. And uh, Pocahontas uh, Elizabeth Warren said the same thing. Well, hey, they said they they said that protesting is protected. The law that they're talking about in June of 2014, the Supreme Court unanimously struck down a Massachusetts law forbidding protesters from standing within 35 feet of the entrance uh, of the entrance to a reproductive health care facility, Planned Parenthood. Uh, or any place that does abortions. From the Atlantic, after that decision came down, the demand for escorts, people who volunteer to escort patients into abortion uh, clinics where the protesters are outside, sharply increased, says Marty Waltz, the recently retired CEO of Planned Parenthood League of Massachusetts. So much different than than what we're talking about, because we're talking about the law says that you can't protest outside the, the courthouse or or the homes of judges, jurors, witnesses, or officers of the court. That means, hey, the court, part of the judiciary system, and like the Supreme Court, is there to interpret laws. Hey, somebody broke the law, the cops arrested them, threw them in, threw them in jail, then they have to go to court, and it has to be interpreted, and the judge has to make a decision whether it was fair or not. And they don't want protesters trying to influence judges into into ruling against what the law is they don't want them to scare witnesses from from testifying they don't want to uh, to uh, scare jurors from voting they don't want to they don't want to influence officers of the court because this is where law is interpreted so now it falls on the governors of virginia and maryland to beg attorney general merrick garland 
to do his frickin' job and enforce a law that already exists as protests continued and grew larger throughout the week. Here's Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin. It's on the federal books that, in fact, that's punishable with up to a year in prison. And therefore, Governor Hogan and I have asked the attorney general to do his job and enforce this law. This is just fundamentally wrong to have people showing up at the justices' homes and trying to influence and intimidate them. Local police, I've asked them to please to, to uh, create a perimeter around each one of the justices' homes with support from state police as needed. And then we've asked, we've asked Attorney General Garland to enforce the law. Yeah, which uh, enforcing the law, as I've said it many times, the only, the only thing that the government is tasked to do uh, for our country uh, is to enforce the laws that the, that, uh, that the people agree to, that the, that the, the Congress and Congress and Senate pass these laws based on as represent, representatives of the people, not to tell us what we can't do, but to, to create laws that we want on there to protect our own lifestyles, to protect our own, our own uh, uh, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Hey, let's create laws that, that keep people from disturbing that. Um, and to protect us from our enemies. That's it. They're not there to, to, uh, to tell us what our, what our, uh, our, our, uh, our ethics should be. They don't, they're not there to tell us what, what we, you know, what we're allowed to eat, where we're allowed to go. <clears throat> this is, this is really scary folks. Nobody in this administration does their job or does anything they're supposed to do. And why we have to wait four years. And if and just in case, just in case you haven't heard about this movie, uh, 2,000 Mules, that Fox News hasn't brought up one time. But Dinesh D'Souza put out this movie, and I think it's at theaters now. I got it online and watched it. I bought it online and, and watched it a couple of times. And uh, this organization, True the Vote, actually has proof that the election was stolen in 2020. If you haven't heard about it, just Google 2,000 Mules, find out where it's playing, or just uh, download it and stream it on your TV. We now have proof. Even Dennis Prager uh, is is in the movie saying, hey, you know what, uh, at the beginning of it, hey, you know what, I, I know something went on, and I know something wasn't right, but no one's giving me any proof. Now he's got the proof. Now he's got the proof. It's all right there. It's it's scientifically obtained. Don't Don't forget to go look at that. So uh, White House press secretary is a hard job, which is why most of them don't last the whole term. Obama had three press secretaries. Trump had three press secretaries. And Biden is about to start uh, with his second as Jen Psaki leaves the administration for greener pastures at MSNBC. Uh, I mean, what that means is higher paying. So soon she'll no longer have to pretend she's proud of the president when she announces he invented the term ultra MAGA himself is the president's phrase and the president uh made those comments himself um just last week as you know and i think what has struck him is how extreme some of the policies and proposals are that a certain wing of the republican party that is taking up too much of the republican party are are for so to him adding a little ultra to it give it a little extra pop so jen Psaki's replacement is is Corinne Jean Pierre, who has been in the deputy, who's been the deputy press secretary since Saki was in there uh, for the past year. Her resume is uh, is long and glorious. I won't read it all because I'm running out of time. Uh, but she's been in the White House for a long time. Uh, but none of that, none of that stuff matters. What really matters about Corinne Jean Pierre's qualifications is this. 
First, as you all know, she will be the first black woman, uh, the first out LGBTQ plus person to serve in this role. The first black woman and out gay person to speak for the president. Becoming the first black woman and LGBTQ person. The first black woman, first openly gay person. The first black woman, the first openly gay person. The first black person, first openly gay person. Becoming the first black person and first openly LGBTQ person to serve as White House press secretary. Hey, anybody want to hear about what I do in the bedroom when I'm in there with my wife? I don't need to hear what uh, Karine Jean Pierre's uh, uh, what her what her sexual habits are in the bedroom either. We don't need to identify people with what they what their sexual habits are. On her first day on the job Thursday, Jean Pierre was asked what the administration is doing to solve the baby formula shortage that's preventing American parents from feeding their infants. Here's her answer. This is an urgent issue that the FDA, as you all know, and the White House is working 24-7 to address. Is this a burning point on the, on the, the formula issue at the White House? I mean, I, I, at the White House, I don't, I, I don't know. I can find out for you and get you a person who's running point, um, but I, I don't have a, a person in it. She's black, she's female, she's LGBTQ+, but she's not competent. But where is the formula? You've probably seen parents on TV all week asking this question. Well, Florida Congresswoman Kat Kamak is a Republican, might have the answer. This is a conversation she had with a friend who's a Border Patrol agent. He says, Kat, you would not believe the shipment that I just brought in. He has been a Border Patrol agent for 30 years, and he has never seen anything quite like this. He is a grandfather, and he is saying that his own children can't get food, baby formula, for his grandkids. But he, as a Border Patrol agent, just took in pallets, pallets of baby formula for all of the illegals that are crossing into the United States. And it is not the children's fault at all. But what is infuriating to me is that this is another example of the America Last Agenda that the Biden administration continues to perpetuate. Well, folks, you know what? All I have to all I have to say to end this up is, uh, in the words of Sticks, can we save us from ourselves? Something is wrong in this country, and we have a chance to change it. Uh, use your voice. Don't be quiet. Speak out. You see something wrong, say something, and don't be quiet. Hey, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and I'll be back again with you next week.